Welcome to MedKinza Talks, your go-to source for bite-sized content in becoming future doctors. I'm your host, Kinza Hussein, and I'm a second-year medical student helping students navigate the ins and outs of one of the most competitive careers. I will be sharing the lessons I've learned and inviting guest speakers to provide real quality advice to help you get into medical school, succeed as a med student, and prepare you to become a future doctor. Want more free quality advice? Subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram at MedKinza, where I post videos and infographics delivering content to you every week. Now sit back, relax, and learn something new. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every week. Hey, welcome. This is episode 28. In this episode, I will be interviewing Jay. He is a first-year medical student at Mayo Clinic on the Arizona campus, and he is a bit of a non-traditional student. I am very excited to interview Jay today because he has a very different path where he got accepted to medical school a few years ago, and he decided to decline that acceptance. So today we have Jay, and we have him to tell his story and tell us why he did that and where he is now. So hi, Jay. Thank you so much for coming on. It is really exciting to have you and listen to your story. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. So, I mean, I guess a little bit about myself is I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. So I'm from the Midwest and I studied my undergrad here as well. I did biomedical engineering and obviously pre-med. And then um, I kind of had a little bit of a non-traditional path, but now I'm at med school at Mayo Clinic, Arizona, and I'm enjoying the warm weather. Yeah, so I I actually stumbled across your YouTube channel that you sent me, and I watched your video a little bit on, you know, how you made this decision to decline your acceptance at first. So we're just going to kind of dive right into that. So I kind of want to know, a couple of years ago when you were applying to medical school, what was kind of going through your head when you felt like you were ready to go? So you sent in the applications, kind of what was going through your head during that time? So I think, you know, I went into undergrad undecided. And then as I went through some career advising, I knew that I really liked science and medicine and math. And I thought, you know, the best thing for me to do was to go into biomedical engineering. And then it wasn't until the end of my sophomore year when I decided I want to maybe keep my options open and pursue pre-med and go down that track as well. So I was eventually biomedical engineering pre-med with the intention to eventually apply to med school. And so, you know, I was trying to follow the typical path that everybody else around me was was doing. You know, I did the pre-health club, all of the volunteering, the service. And I was actually really excited for the application cycle, believe it or not. I was like super hyped up to get my letters of rec to start filling out that AMCAS application. I think the moment that it opened, I was already jumping on it and I had it ready way before we were even allowed to submit. So I was super excited um, and, you know, I had some good outcomes, went to a few interviews and had an acceptance and I had committed that ex- to that acceptance. And at a certain point, I kind of just felt like maybe I'm not ready. You know, I haven't explored other options. I didn't get to study abroad during undergrad. It just didn't feel like the right time or the right place and everybody else was happy for me because I got an acceptance pretty early on but I just had something inside that was telling me like maybe this isn't the right thing right now um and so that feeling come from like I kind of want to know because 
I just have a hard time like understanding, right? Like what you were feeling because maybe I didn't go through that same exact emotional process of it. But where Mm -hmm. do you think that gut feeling rooted from? I think at that time, there were some more things bubbling up in medicine, like more coming to the surface regarding burnout and suicide in medicine and all of these stories popping up. And it became super prevalent in my media to where I became kind of concerned. And I, I thought, you know, is this what I want my life to look like down the line? Is this what it will definitely look like if I end up pursuing medicine? Because that's what it seemed like at that time. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, as a pre-med, I also wasn't sure if I would get into med school at that time. So I had applied to a few other opportunities and I ended up getting some of those opportunities. And at that time, you know, I consulted with the medical school and I said, hey, is is it okay if I defer my acceptance to pursue this other opportunity for the moment? And I kind of got rejected. Um, They were kind of like, no, we don't really support that, only in very rare cases. And so I just didn't feel supported. And I had this gut feeling like this probably isn't even the place for me if they're not going to support my development and improvement. So it was kind of a combination of, of a lot of things that came together. I'm so curious to know which medical school this is. <laughs> Are you allowed to mention it? I mean, I don't want to paint a bad picture, so I'd rather not. It's not like I had a horrible experience. It just, you know, when you go into, you know, a new place or a new friend group and you kind of feel like you do or don't belong. Yeah. And I was just like, for everyone. Exactly. I had the sense of like, I probably don't belong here, even though they might like me. I feel like I don't belong here. And at that time, I went, you know, it was a hard decision because you're like, wow, I got into med school. I can't sacrifice this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I went on Student Doctor Network and that was my biggest regret. Um, And I asked the question, you know, like, hey, this is my situation. What do you think about it? Or how should I proceed? And people were really extremely cruel towards me and telling me, you know, if you declined an acceptance you'll get blacklisted you'll never get into med school again you're you know this is a horrible decision you're wasting people's time and all of these horrible things and from that point on you know moving forward for my next application cycle I never once looked at student doctor network I just wrote it off and um, that's my philosophy now no more student doctor network (laughs) That's really funny because I think nobody has a positive experience on SDN. Yeah. I haven't heard one person tell me, wow, I went to SDN and I got all this valuable information. You should really check it out. Mm-hmm. So for anyone yeah. think, just don't go there for your first place of information. <laughs> for just ever in or general. Anything. Yeah, no, I'm lucky. I did not spend too much time on those websites. I first became aware of them. I only went there actually to get secondary essay prompts. Someone had recommended to go on there to get the prompts and start writing your secondary essays for med school applications early. So I wrote maybe a couple early on, but at least it gave me an idea of like what to look out for. That's the only good I got out of it. No, and and that's a good point. It is useful for content and, and that, but maybe not so much interaction and asking for feedback. Yeah. So I'm glad that you were so confident in like your gut feeling of, you know what, this is not right for me. So I'm going to just decline my acceptance and go do something else. So what did you end up doing after that? 
Yeah, so I had applied to a few kind of engineering internships and then also uh, some teaching programs. So one of them was to teach and teach English in France. And then another one was through the Fulbright program to actually teach English in Poland, which mm -hmm. is very obscure and random. Nobody thinks about Poland. And at that time, I was like, what am I going to do in Poland? But I, I actually ended up going to uh, become an English teaching assistant with the Fulbright program. And you get a random placement. You don't get to say where you want to go teach. But I actually got placed at the Medical University of Warsaw. So it was like this perfect fit for me because I could still explore medicine a little bit more, but from a different perspective and travel and learn about new cultures and meet new people. And it really just just boosted a lot of things in my self-development and personal development overall. So I think it was a, the best decision I could have made in retrospect. Yeah. How long were you there for? So I was there for two years. Um, and I think I really enjoyed teaching, but at a certain point by the end of my second year, I kind of felt burnt out. And I felt, you know, I'm thankful I had this experience, but I can't see myself doing this any longer. So I knew that was not the path for me. And then at that time, I was actually super intrigued in engineering still from my BME background and in the startup world, which I had worked in some startup world kind of stuff while in undergrad. So there was this perfect opportunity in Paris. Um, you know, I had always dreamed as a, as a child to like, I want to live in Paris and, and see what that's like. And so I, while I was still in Poland, I ended up applying to this job in Paris and I moved from Poland to Paris and worked there for about a year and realized as the days went on, I was like, this is not for me. I don't like working for other people. I don't see progress. I don't feel progress. I need to kind of go back to medicine um so yeah that was a little bit of the experiential shift away from medicine and then back towards medicine that's so interesting and unfortunately i think it's a path a lot of people don't get to take you know because we people who know they want to be in medicine maybe since day one that's kind of all they do and they don't allow themselves to explore other opportunities kind of outside of that because then it's people get scared about, oh, it might be a waste of my time. Like if I know what mm -hmm. I'm going to keep doing it, I don't want to be X years old when I start medical school. Like that's one fear I think a lot of people have. And then the other part of it is also just, they just don't know, you know, what could, what else could also make them happy. Mm -hmm. So I think you made a very brave decision. I'm sure it was hard to explain it to family and friends that you're not going to pursue it for now and you might come back to it. I think my own parents were scared, even with just the concept of gap years. Like mm -hmm. if you take the gap year, you may get too comfortable in the job you're working at, that you're not going to go back to medicine and apply when really you're taking those gap years to add to your application and actually apply. But I think it's just a deep rooted fear people have. And I'm sure um, medical schools were very interested in, you know, this different path you took when you were writing about it in your applications the second time around. Yeah, definitely. I think that that definitely boosted my resume, my experiences. And the way I look at it is I could have gone straight into med school, but I would have always had this thought in the back of my mind, well, 
what if I had gone to Paris or Poland? What else could have I experienced? But now I've experienced it and I know that I don't enjoy it or wouldn't be able to do it long term. So I've kind of gotten it out of my system and now I'm clear headed and I know that, you know, I'm on this path now that is truly right for me. Um, and it's an another crazy story is that I was applying, my second application cycle was while I was abroad. It was while I was still living in Poland, while I was still working there. And I was truly hoping that my interviews would match up and that I would be able to kind of crunch them all together and fly once. Mm -hmm. um, but that didn't work out. I ended up flying to my Mayo Clinic interview. And then the moment I flew back to Europe, I ended up getting some more interviews. And at that time, it was super stressful because, yeah. you know, Flights are super expensive. I was working, so I couldn't take time off of work. So I kind of made this crazy decision and I said, I'm not doing any more interviews. That was it. I said, I'm only doing this one Mayo interview. I, I, it's too stressful for me to have to plan all of this, to have to fly and back and forth. And so I really made another kind of rash decision. And I said, I'm putting all my eggs in this one basket. And whatever happens, happens. And if it works out, then it was meant to be. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll, you know, reapply in the future or do whatever I have to do to go down the path that I want. That's so scary. That is another crazy story. I wasn't expecting you to say that one too, on top of everything. So not yeah. only are you applying the second time when you never had to, because you got in the first time. But now you're only going to one interview. So really, it's like only applying to one school at the end of the day. Kind of, yeah. And, and I think that definitely my second cycle, I applied to way less schools. I mean, the first time around, probably like between 15 to 20. But the second time, I would say close to 10. I just felt like the first time around, I burned so much energy into this one thing when in reality, how many schools would I actually attend? Right. So I learned my lesson. I think I was much more relaxed the second cycle. I didn't meet my deadlines. I wasn't as excited about the deadlines as I was the first time around. But at the end of the day, I still view it as if something's meant to be, it will be. And you just have to let it happen. And I think you came from a very strong application as a very strong applicant too, right? You weren't just a weak applicant applying to just a few number of schools. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, how were you in kind of the stats area? Were you competitive? I would say, so my GPA was competitive. It was above a 3.9, but my MCAT was not. I actually ended up taking the MCAT three times. Um, my second score actually went down from my first score. So that was my weakest point. And uh, I had to explain that in my in my interview at Mayo. And... I as I feel like as long as you explain it you at the end of the day you know if you need to take a prep class or something somebody to help you structure your study time I truly didn't understand that at that time when I was taking the MCAT I was definitely winging it I had no idea what I was doing and no confidence in what I was doing and still I would say my final MCAT score was you know average nothing special and I think that just goes to show that your experiences can often speak a lot more than than your scores and trying to get in somewhere where you think you might not ever be able to get into when in reality you can it's just about how you tell your story. 
Yeah, exactly. And having a story, you know, having the experience. Sometimes if you're coming right out of college, you guys might not have the experience that like Jay has, you know, he has a lot. He went to a few different countries. He applied later in life because, and he just had a lot more to talk about. And when they ask you questions, even during the interview, just besides the essays they ask you, you're going to have to pull from those experiences. You can't give surface level answers. And I think I do a lot of mock interviews where sometimes I hear those surface level answers and it comes from lack of experience. Like it's not your fault. It's not your communication style. It's really that you have no experience to really pull from and talk about. So that's a huge part of the um, process. And I, I had another question for you going off of that, but I lost it. I forgot what my question was. And now yeah. we are in awkward silence <laughs> and put our listeners through that misery. All right, well, I will ask this last question that I wrote up for you. I know we touched upon it just a little bit, but after doing all these different things, you said that you ultimately decided medicine was still for you. Besides your passion, just for like the science and the maths, what really told you that like, okay, you wanted to go into medicine? Mm -hmm. Again, I think it was the fact that I put myself through other experiences to see that and find out that I actually did not like them. Like I remember sitting in my, my office in Paris and thinking, what am I doing here? Like, I am so bored out of my mind doing things for other people that are telling me what to do with no greater purpose yeah. and having those experiences just further drove me in the right direction and my initial concern of burnout and all of those things that come with medicine they're still there but i'm much more aware of the environment i put myself in and trying to build a support system. I think my institution already does a great job of supporting students and, and having a much more healthy and healthier environment. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not as afraid of that aspect of medicine as I was before. And all of that really, the experience helped me rule out other things that I was curious about before. Yeah, I think mindset is really important. I think you won't go into burnout if you go into it with the right mindset and you're very mindful of not reaching burnout. Yeah, so I, I, I remembered my question. I wanted to ask, um, I know we're going back a little bit, sorry, the organization of this is kind of bad, but um, I wanted to ask, what did you tell Mayo Clinic when they asked you like, hey, your second MCAT score went down? Because I have a lot of people asking me, how do they explain themselves when their grades slip? Sometimes people have something personal going on in their lives, but you know what? That's not always the case and not always the best maybe excuse to use. So how did you explain yourself? I think I made three main points. Mm -hmm. One goes back to my childhood. I always underperformed on standardized tests, always, no matter what it was. And I explained that and I gave them a specific example where I really underperformed and I was placed in a, like a lower class. And then a teacher had to reach out and purposefully push me to a higher class because they, they saw that I didn't belong there. So that was one example that I gave them. And then the second thing I said was, you know, I truly did not know what I was doing. I had no idea how to build a study schedule, what study schedule was, what resources to use. Nobody taught me that. Nobody showed me anything. I didn't have the resources. And the third thing was, I honestly didn't have money to take a prep class. You know, I was aware of prep classes. I knew that if I took a prep class, I would do much better. But coming from my background, my parents being immigrants, first generation college student, I did not have the money, 
even though I was working to pay for my tuition. So I gave those three solid explanations and reasons in the context of my situation. And that was it. There was no more questioning of why the trend was there or what the trend was. And even I have no more questions on that. I think you took accountability during your interview and that's exactly kind of what they're looking for. Like that's the honest answer. And you yeah. took responsibility for it. And do I fear step one? Most definitely, because it's yet another standardized test. And I feel like at this point, I'm traumatized by standardized tests. Well, it's pass fail now. I, still though, it's, it's something, you yeah. know, step two, CK then, right? That's not gonna be pass fail. So it's something that is definitely haunting me, but that I'm trying to prepare myself and gear myself and figure out a study schedule, figure out what my three months of routine will look like so that I don't end up repeating that MCAT mistake. Yeah, I have a lot of those fears as well. I think I kind of see myself a little bit in you where I have self-doubt when it comes to standardized testing because the SAT was tough. You know, my parents put me through, I was fortunate enough that they put me through the different resources, like getting courses through Kaplan and stuff. I still was, it was very hard. I finally did reach my target score, but I think I took that one two or three times. And then same thing with the MCAT. I was just terrified of the MCAT because I knew yeah. it was that determined if I get into medical school or where I go so like I had my GPA pretty much under control but again I was scared and I didn't think I could do well on the MCAT because I struggled so much doing all right on the SAT so self-doubt there and now I'm a second year I'm preparing for step step one and I'm like I just can't do that to myself like I can't let my self-doubt or my feelings of like oh I'm not smart enough to get mm -hmm or I can't let that get in the way. I think confidence is so important. So I don't know if anyone who's listening follows Lillian Medicine, but she talked about kind of like manifesting your score and increasing your self-confidence. And she had um, her screensaver as like her target board score. So I think her target score was a 250. She wants to do ENT. So she really reinforced what her goals were like every single day and told herself that she could do it. And she did it. So yeah, one can learn anything from that. It's all confidence. I I completely agree. And I just want to emphasize though, at the end of the day, I still do believe that my score will not prevent me from getting to where I want to get. No matter if it's amazing or if it's average or if it's subpar, I think you make yourself an institution or a score will not make you. That is also so important. And I think if you can show that when you do interview, that's it. It's, you're golden and you're going to get in. So are you doing, um, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I'm sorry. I have so many questions for you. I'll make this the last one to respect our time. But are you no doing worries. outside of just your studies right now? Or do you plan to, to like add to your resume for residency? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, for one, trying to get engaged in research, of course, but, you know, I'm trying not to go to that, down that rabbit hole where I'm just grabbing onto anything for the sake of adding to my resume, because I don't believe in that. I believe in truly pursuing something that I'm super intrigued about. So working on research like any other medical student, but really trying to find ways to make myself stand out already. Um, and I believe that would be through building your social network. And, and 
like just genuinely being curious about people and learning from people. And over this past week, it's kind of been an off week for us. So I took a course on journalism and I thought it was super fascinating. And that just opens up more ways for you to stand out by whether you want to create a podcast like you're doing or, you know, write articles for a newspaper or produce videos for YouTube. So I think there's so many ways. I think once COVID passes, I would love to travel and be able to do medical rotations abroad. I think that's one thing that I've always, always loved is travel. Yeah, me too. And I've never, I haven't gotten the opportunity to do that. So hopefully for 2021, let's manifest traveling and serving people, underserved populations globally. I really hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, Jay, it was a pleasure to talk to you and learn from you. I think people are really going to enjoy this episode. So thank you so much for reaching out to me to make this happen. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. And for you guys, if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure you guys hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, if you've learned one little thing from the show, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review. It means a lot to me and I do read them all. I'll see you guys in the next one.